Hi, this is Dave Olson. I'm the senior leader of Heartland Church located in Ankeny, Iowa. I hope the following message challenges, encourages, and ultimately changes you. Thanks for joining us. And then eventually Papa Jack with his wisdom, I said, Papa, Papa, what does the kingdom look like? And he says, son, I do not know. But all I know, it will only be entrusted to a family. And I didn't realize at that time that it was something, it was like a seed from the father. Because the old dream dreams, the young see visions. Fathers and mothers dreams, sons and daughters have vision. So that moment was a seed that went into this Norwegian soil. And I started to ponder, what does family look like? How is the family in heaven? And how does the family in heaven, how do they relate? How is it between the father, son, spirit? How are they one? Who is the most important, the father, son, or Holy Spirit? And the answer is yes. If you ask the father, he points to the son. You ask the son, he points to the spirit. Spirit points to the son. Son points to the father. It's called the culture of honor. And honor is what love looks like. And love unifies. You become one. And fear divides. or so cancer cells divides. But love unites. I've seen people being healed from stage four cancer just releasing a baptism of love. Because when perfect love moves in, there's no division even for cells to divide. And this is the prayer of Jesus for us anyway. So that started my process. And today, uh, there's two kind of words. And I thought about that this morning. And it touches my heart. You have a Bob Phillips library. And I walked in there. And, and he was one of my best friends. A covenant relationship. Actually, Christopher Olson. He prophesied the first time when we were here with Bob Phillips. When Bob Phillips first came. And he saw us. And he says, you guys are Siamese twins. And if you looked at Bob Phillips, I said, we didn't look like each other. <laughs> So in a conference in Houston, we showed up and I bought shirts and pants and same clothes and we showed up. And I said, we are Siamese twins. <laughs> and we showed up for that event. But Bob was all about covenant. And then Papa Jack was about the kingdom. And those are the lenses we even go to see from eternity past to eternity future. We're going to have those lenses on as a family. We are a family. Kingdom, excuse me, covenant is all about family. And, and the kingdom is all about the mission of this family. And it is not family or mission. It, it is not even family and mission. It is a family on mission. What I didn't share with you that it was 16 years later that I had Papa Jack and Mama Frida with us in the Philippines. And we had about a thousand of our, uh, our, our young leaders together in this extravagant worship. And in a moment I saw Papa Jack, his tears was flowing down his face. And he says, son, that's what the kingdom looks like. So that seed had now become a tree full of fruit. With about a thousand sons and daughters of glory. And that tree now is becoming a forest all over the world. And all the potential was in the seed. A word from a father came in. Sons and daughters captures their words in good soil, in good hearts. You go through a process from the seed becoming you. So there's no longer any difference between what you received and what you become. And at that moment, it starts to be released and it starts to be multiplied. So we started this amazing journey. It was in 1999 that I felt specifically after Dr. Randy Clark in 1995. I was standing in a line. I shared at the leadership gathering. I was standing in line as a Norwegian Baptist pastor. That's almost a creative miracle in itself. <laughs> 
And people say, how did you end up as a Baptist in a Lutheran country? I married a Southern Baptist. And my father-in-law, he wanted to make sure that I became a good Baptist. So anyway, so here I ended up back again in my home country, Norway, where three of my daughters was born. And at that moment, my desperation level was greater than my fear level. And I did have a heart for mission. I had a heart for the world. But it was something I needed to shift in my heart because I wouldn't know the difference. I went to South Africa. I went to Romania, Latin America. I went to Kenya, Uganda, different countries where the gospel had been before. But that day when Randy Clark came and he touched people, blessed them, and the Methodist pastor went on the floor. We didn't do that in my Baptist church. And I got a little nervous because I knew we could get the left foot of fellowship if you've been messing around with the Holy Spirit. So he went down the line, touched him, blessed him, filled him. And by the time he came to me, he stopped and he said, you are a bulldozer. And I'm thinking, no, I am a Baptist pastor. They didn't teach me much about prophecy, but he said, I see you as a bulldozer, and you're going to go into the darkest places in the world where the gospel has never been before, and you're going to make a way where there's no way. And thousands of people were following in after you. I saw this big light following after you. And I knew it was connected later on to this 1040 window that Dave. And I didn't realize that as a bulldozer that you hit things, and things hit you. He didn't say that. And it was six months afterwards, I just had to put this one thing in. Six months afterwards, I'm in the Middle East. And I mean, it was just through supernatural. And as I was there in a Muslim country, in a Muslim context, where there was 0.01% Christians in that area. I mean, there was hardly any believers at all. So we came in there to do this healing meeting. And uh, we had done this strange thing. And that is we put on posters all over. 50,000 posters we put up that Jesus was going to be in this cricket stadium. I had just been to a leadership seminar with John Maxwell. They say you have to go for win-win situation. And I learned as I was heading there, this is a lose-lose situation. Because if Jesus shows up, they're going to kill me. But if Jesus does not show up, they're going to kill me. It was not a very easy thing because I promised them that Jesus is alive. So I told them, bring the quadriplegic, bring the paralyzed. I mean, just bring the blind, bring all of the people to these events because Jesus is going to be here. When Jesus shows up, good things happen. So the advertisement we've given for Jesus, but I realized I got more and more nervous. Jesus, what if you don't show up? And then what if you do show up? And by the time we were there, and there was so much fear in me at the time, and I did this for God because at that moment I didn't know how to live from God. I did it as an achiever because I didn't know how to be a receiver. But God still honored that. So I was there as a bulldozer heading into these places. And I still remember I stood on the stage and some of you saw these large crowds. And so here we have a cricket stadium. There was very few people the first day. And then miracles started to happen. There was somebody that had carried a friend, put him on the top of a bus. I didn't know it. All I knew in the middle of the meeting, while I'm up there, suddenly a group of radical Muslims comes towards us. They were chanting with long beards. And it's like, and I am scared. I know I'm not going to see my wife again. We are about to get killed. And we even had guards with guns, pointing the guns. It's like, what are we going to do? But the closer they came, I saw they had this person in the middle that was walking like this. And they had carried this quadriplegic friend on a stretcher to the meeting. Somebody had put on a poster right by the side of their mosque. 
And I thought, we have nothing to lose. Let's bring our friend to this meeting. On the top of a bus, because there was no room on the bus, for seven hours they took him to the meeting and brought him to the meeting. And then the presence of Jesus started to fill that room. And as he was laying there, you could feel this tingling. It was just up and down his body. He started to stand up for the first time in over 12 years in the front of his friends. And he started to walk. And they walked up on the stage, came up on the stage. And he just told that, that this Jesus had just... And they testify. And the whole atmosphere changed. Yeah, we can give Jesus a good hand. The atmosphere changed, and I was changed at that moment. And the next night it doubled, and the third night it doubled again. And this is what we call a power evangelism. I had been fishing all night, getting very little. And then God started to teach me a different way of fishing. And there was more fish than we could handle. And I was just so overwhelmed as a young Baptist pastor, even what do you do with this? But it was that one night, and by the way, during those days, I saw Jesus creating eyes where there was no eyeballs. And I saw all these creative miracles and healings and, and cancer disappear. I was so overwhelmed. My first trip, and then suddenly you get shocked by all of these things. And you, your senses couldn't even handle it. And by the last day, 22,400 people, they stood up and they surrendered to Jesus. And that is almost more than there's people in my city. And the interesting thing that the word over me when Randy prayed, I ended up on the floor. I was baptized in the Holy Spirit and I was baptized in fire. And by the way, I'm still burning. And I'm still on fire today, 20 some years afterward, 26 years afterwards. I've had broken neck, broken back. I've had a tumor and I have scars all over this Norwegian body. And there's not been a day without there's been scars that suddenly reminds me that it is not easy to be a bulldozer and hitting things and things hitting you. And it's been a tough, I'm not saying it's been easy to take up that cross and follow Jesus. And seven times I kissed my wife and children goodbye knowing I will never come back. But I knew that was the price because Jesus, he was worthy. He was worth it all. And I had made at that moment, Jesus is not just my savior. I don't just have a Jesus with the benefits, what he's going to do for me. No, he purchased me with a price. He loved me so much that, wow, he saw a value in me. And I had devalued myself for so long that he saw a value. And you can see the price that God paid for me by looking at the value that he saw. But then I realized there's all these people out there that are so valuable that the Father loves them so much that he will give his only begotten son. And this amazing divine exchange that took place on the cross where he takes your sin so now you're righteous. He takes your shame so now that you are glorified. He takes your sickness and disease so by his stripes you are healed. He takes your punishment and suddenly now... And this is the whole world is waiting to experience this gospel. Not just what they are saved from, but what they are saved to. And anyway, so in the middle of it, but then I realized one of the most significant things that took place on the cross. And I believe this with all of my heart. He always called him Father, Father. But at this moment, he says, my God, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? For a moment, Jesus became an orphan so that you and I can be sons and daughters. For a moment, he was separated from perfect love so we could be restored back again to perfect love. That's why in John 14, 18, it says, I will not leave you as an orphan. I will come to you. 
And so anyway, so during that time, but that night, and I have to share this story because it is what brought a paradigm shift. It was not the multitudes. It was not the miracles. But late that last night, I never forgot it. And I have a picture in my office. At the moment when I feel the price is too high, I look at that picture of this woman. But it was this woman and she had a full burqa on. She came there and I can still see her face today. This was in the end of 1995. She opened up the burqa. And I looked at her and she said, I, I received Jesus today through my translator. And my translator translated into English from Urdu. And I'm like, yeah. And then she said, I, I also got healed in my body today. And I'm like, yeah, she got saved and healed. And oh, I got so excited. But from the joy of her salvation and the joy of her healing, she looked at me and I never forget that look. And she said, and she got sad. She got too dark. And I'm like, what's happening? She said, how long have you known about this Jesus? And I was just thinking because I have a newspaper article six months earlier where Jesus, we celebrated 1,000 years since Christianity came to Norway. And I was in 95, so I was just telling her, we have had Jesus for over 1,000 years in my country. Since I was a little baby, my parents told me about Jesus. I'm just thinking this. And then she said, why didn't you come earlier? My, my husband, he died uh, last year, and he, he had never heard about this Jesus. And my son, he died of cancer two years ago. He never got to hear about this Jesus. And none of the people in my village where I live have ever heard about this Jesus. We didn't know that he was alive. Why didn't you come earlier? Why didn't you come earlier? And all I was thinking about, I've been distracted. I've been going to Kenya. I've been going to all these other places. I've been feeding the first row over and over again by the people in the back row that has never once heard the gospel. They have not had a chance. While I've been helping people to get ready for the second coming of Jesus, these people don't know about the first coming of Jesus. And that brought something in my life. And I became, I put myself that day in the offering plate. And I said, I have this one life to live and so much love to give. And I'm going to, this life, his last command is my first priority. And I just make myself available for the ones that have never heard. And that message has never changed for me. And I have a lot of message about the baptism of love and healing the orphan spirit. When push comes to shove, you would see that uh, when you squeeze me, that mission virus is contagious. And I never forgot that face. And I do realizing since then, all the trips, uh, we've seen over one million. Actually, the picture with Paul Yado from the Philippines, when you saw the crowds, that was in 2013, we passed the one million mark of names added to the Lamb's Book of Life. And now we are dreaming again with Papa God because God is actually going for one billion. But he doesn't want a billion orphans. He wants a billion sons and daughters. Wow. So congratulations. You're born for such a time as this. And I sense I wanted to take about five more minutes just to help you to get an overview of what's taking place in the world. Is that okay? Because uh, we need to have the spirit of the sons of Issachar that understand the time, but also know what to do. Because you are living right now in the second most important time in world's history. The first time was when Jesus showed up 2,000 years ago and Jesus was born. But you are the second most important generation. We are actually the only generation in world's history that have had a chance to finish the unfinished task, to actually fulfill the Great Commission. We have everything needed right now to get the job done. 
We don't have a darkness problem in the world. We have a lack of light. We don't have a fear problem, the lack of love, because perfect love always casts out fear. And sometimes we're wondering, why is it so dark in Afghanistan and those places? Why is it so evil over there in the Middle East? Because we only spend 50 cents of every $100 of mission money to the darkest places. And where our treasures is where our heart is. So I'm just sensing something is burning in me even this morning as I've been reflecting because God is shifting my priority around. It is so easy to be distracted. So first of all, say what time is it? And we're going to talk about the Kairos moment we are living in. Second question is what is God doing in our generation? Say that with me. And the third question is where do I fit into it? How do I invest? My time? my talent, and my treasure. And those are the three questions we need to answer clearly in this season. There's a lot of people that didn't understand the time they were living in. There was actually people, even with the election. Also, some of you remember year 2000, do you remember? Y2K. For all of you that bought generators or cabins in the wood and stored up food, let me remind you that generators are very cheap right now on eBay. When everybody has fear and they're going in and they're operating in fear. And we as God's people, he says, I have not given you a spirit of fear. But power, love, and a sound mind. Do not listen to fear. Fear is false evidences appearing real. It is a spirit. And God is not giving us a spirit of fear. But power, love, and wisdom. And yes, it is some dark clouds out there. Have you recognized that? Have you recognized there's a lot of shaking going on in the world? So we are living during the second most important time in church history. And the devil knows it. And that's one of the reasons the devil is killing. He's come to kill, steal, and destroy. But in the middle of it, Jesus came to give life and life more abundantly. Be careful. This kind of a thinking can lead to dancing. And you can become a joyful Christian. And I'm one of those joyful missionaries. And my smile is a genuine smile. I woke up this morning, 4.30, migraine headache. My head here has been clogged. It is ringing. And every time I made a decision to go to the Middle East, these attacks starts to happen. And in the middle of the enemy, he's trying to intimidate me. There's been double pneumonia. There's been so many things that he's trying to do. As soon as I make the decision, if I suddenly back off, suddenly this is healed. It's happened so many times. As soon as I take a step back, but as soon as I'm leaning forward, it is like all this opposition because I'm heading into some of the darkest places in the world where the gospel has never been before. So I'm just saying that there is a warfare that we heard, but that warfare, and this is important, the weapon we are using here, it's very, very important. Rest has to be one of those weapons because the enemy is restless in nature. The one-third of fallen demons, the demons that is upright, they are restless. They don't have a home. Anyway, it seems like I'm getting a little tense here. I just wanted to. <laughs> so anyway, so let me just describe a little bit of the world. We have been living now in the world where there's a lot of changes going on. Let me take you back in time. There is a reason why Jesus was born when he was born, when Rome was in control. The world had go to Rome and Rome went to the world. It's called a unipolar world. That means there was one nation that was in control that influenced the nations of the world. 
There's been 26 of these weather patterns from the beginning. I'm not trying to be complicated. This is an eight-hour seminar, but just to give you the eight minutes because you listen so fast. So here we are. And then what you start to see when Rome's moral and ethical values went down, then what happened is other nations rise up. That led to a war. So you had about five other forces on a global level that started a fight. And left there was two nations left that led to another nation. And the one was not the word of highest spirituality, but highest morality. Why is that? Because of the goodness and the kindness of God. He wants as soft touch as possible when the move of God's spirit. Let me just, in recent time, how many of you know that Britain used to be the country that was in control, including with America's history? history. So what we're seeing in England again was used by God, and there was revival, and they touched India. The whole world was touched by the gospel. But then instead of what they could give, they started to take take spices and gold, and they started to take, and other nations came in, and they started this whole fight about colonization. So in 1849 to 1851, when the morality of England went down, other nations rise up, and you have Portugal, and you have Spain, and you have England. You have all these countries that are fighting for who's going to control the future. When England then lost its morality, they went down. Other nations came up. It led to World War I. Then it led to World War II later on. This is a quick summary. What happened at World War, how many of you remember the 1945? Now, there was two systems left. Who was that? Soviet Union and U.S., America. Wow. Say that with me. Say U.S. and Soviet Union. There was two polar on a global level. Is communism going to win or capitalism going to win? And these try to influence the whole world, and you kind of had to make a side. The important for us in the kingdom when these things is taking place is how do you invest? Because very different is when America is in control, the influence you have, than now when China and other nation comes in. And we as global thinkers, we have to be aware of this, because if not, you get so busy with these micro things happening on the news, and you do not see the big picture. You don't see what's happening in this world from God's perspective. And then you get distracted by what God is not doing because you don't see what God is doing. Anyway, so here we are. Then what happened? You came to about 1988. The Berlin Wall fell down. <gasps> the world is watching. 1989, December, Ceausescu fell in Romania. <gasps> and then you came to 1991. Soviet Union fell. <gasps> and then what happened? America was entrusted of these two system, orphan system and an orphan world. America was entrusted with a unipolar world to influence the world and for the world to be influenced. And in the middle of the greatest revival we've seen in 2,000 years actually happened in a 10-year period of time. So from 19, excuse me, from 1991 to 2001, 335 million new names were added to the Lamb's Book of Life. We have to be aware of those different things because if I don't understand, I wouldn't know how to value. And if I don't know how to value, I wouldn't know how to steward. So we are not connected to this. But then what happened is with America, September 11, 2001 came in. <gasps> we got crippled by fear. How do you respond from history? There's been 26 of these cycles. America started to lose its morality. And when that happened, China came in in 2002 and says, America is no longer maintained the unipolar world. 
And other nations started to rise up, and that's what you are seeing now. It's happening right in the front of us all over the world, including what's going on in Afghanistan, what's happening there. Why is this important? Because us as kingdom believers, it is important for us to understand the time. The time that we're living in so that we can live and love right. So we are right now in a tipping point for a new multipolar world. And in the middle of it, as I'm saying, as the enemy is so nervous about what God is doing. That's why it's important for you and I to arise and shine for our light has come. So right now, geopolitically, and I don't have the time to go into that. I wanted to go into my message today. This is just a warm up. But congratulations, it is a tougher time. It is more difficult. It is more challenged right now than it was 10, 15 years ago. Because the shaking has begun in the world system and all the world religion. There's all these five major changes going on in the world right now. The church is changing. Governments are changing. Economy is changing. Everything is changing. And in the middle of it, we are in the middle of this shaking. And first, let me just recommend, if you are in the middle of a shaking, let go. Don't hold on to things. Just let go. Become free. Because free people will set people free. Transform people. Bring transformation to people. Don't hold on to anything that is not eternal in value. Build your life upon a king and his kingdom that is unshakable. Can you say amen to that? I know I'm talking fast. There's just so much in me. <laughs> but I feel I have a word for us today, and I'm going to just try to be pretty short with this. If you open up your Bible to Isaiah 6, I wanted you just to get that perspective. We're living right now in a season. Every news you see is connected to this 7.8 billion people in this world. And out of those 7 billion, two of those billion belong to Christianity as a religion. Not necessary relationship. About a billion of those would be committed Christian. But there's 1.6 billion Muslim, a billion and 50 million Hindu, over 600 million Buddhists, and the list goes on and on and on. And what God wants them to know how good he is and how loved they are. A God that loves his world so much that he will give his only begotten son. Isaiah 6. This has been burning in me. For the last 18 months, it was actually October before the election. I was asking God, God, help me with clarity about the time we are living in. Because I knew we were entering into a season. And that was, as I'm saying, in 2019, October. And he gave me Isaiah 6. And we're going to read that, that it's matured in me for the last 18 months. So if it is on the screen, we can read this in the year that King Uzziah died. Say died. I saw the Lord sitting on the throne, high and lifted up. The train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphims, each one having six wings. With two, he covered his face. With two, he covered his feet. And with two, he flew. And one cried to the other, saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door was shaking by the voice of him who cried out. And the house was filled with smoke. And I said, woe is me, because I am undone. 
because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell among a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim, he flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he has taken from the tongues from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it, and he said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Say that with me. And who will go for us? Say us. Then I said, Here am I. Send me. Just taking a few moments here. It starts with, it is in the year King Uzziah died. Let me just describe a little bit about King Uzziah. He was 16 years old when he, was, when he became a king. Very, very young. So when he was about 16 years old, his father had trained him in the fear of the Lord. He named him Uzziah. The name Uzziah means strength of Yahweh. That means the strength of God. And this is very significant. The parents named him the strength of Yahweh. So if you looked at the label on his life, you are one that are operating in the strength of God. So I don't know what name you have on because the enemy is trying to rename us. He's trying to, in this season, to take the wrong labels. He's trying to steal the identity of people, not just the people that are struggling out there, but even among God's people. Well, you no longer see you the way God sees you. So his name was the strength of Yahweh. And he was phenomenal. Because of the fear of the Lord, he had a lot of wisdom. And out of this wisdom, I mean, he created the catapult. They won war. He was the king of Judah, meaning praise. He was the king of praise. So be aware of the praise in this season. And he operated very, very well. There was so much expansion of the kingdom. People were very excited. When Uzziah was king, there was prosperity. We liked the economy. And this is before COVID-19 came in. There was no mask. Or there was no, I mean, this is the world before COVID. I mean, life was good for the people. They loved that. And God's people loved having Uzziah there. And including the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah, according to some historians, says that he was the cousin of the king. He was related to the king. And in the middle of that, and we saw that last year, a lot of prophets that came in that are similar to Isaiah. As long as you're in the right alignment, these prophets was prophesying. And if you've seen the prophecies in the chapters before, Isaiah say, what was you? What was you? You're either for us or against us. And if you have a different political party than us, it is what was them. You have to be aware of that because there's a whole chapter before. It was what was them and what was them and what was that group. I'm in alignment with a king. And as long as I'm in alignment with a king, I have the freedom to do these things. And you see all the prosperity and the blessings and everything else. And a lot of the laws and a lot of the systems that we have in place. Wow, it is certainly changing for good. And the people are excited and happy. But the problem with Uzziah was that he started in the strength of God. But before you know it, he started to operate in his own strength. He started with the right morality, and everybody was blessed because the blessings of God flowed to the people, to a king who stayed within his lane. But he moved outside his lane. He is called to be a king, but he started to operate as a priest. So let me just say, don't use anybody else's armor. 
Be yourself. Stay within your lane. If you're a school teacher, be a school teacher for Jesus. Stay within the lane what God has called you to be because your anointing rests upon your assignment. And your assignment is connected to your alignment. And he did very well when he lived in humility, when he had his fear of the Lord, knowing that without him I can do nothing. That gave him the confidence to say, in him I can do all things. The problem is when you go in there and say, I can do all things without recognizing without him I can do nothing. So he started to step outside area and God gave him warning. But he didn't listen because he has become strong. Instead of the strength of God, he became strong. And it was his own strength he started to operate. And the Bible used this as a picture. He ended up with leprosy. In the beginning, you can hide the leprosy. There is pride underneath. And here is the problem is, listen, God resists the proud. But he gives grace to the humble. And when there is pride and arrogance, God just moves his grace away. And you start to operate in your own strength. And you don't, real, you don't realize there is leprosy. The problem is when we are still, we are giving grace when God starts to resist something. And do not realize there's leprosy that came in. He did not humble himself to get healed. He continued to operate in his own strength. And we're seeing this in his last 18 months, a lot of ministry, a lot of people. And I realized in my own life, there was things that was okay in the previous season. It's not okay any longer. Because this is the year King Uzziah dies. This system is going to die. And there's a new system that's coming about. There is a sunset of one system. And there's a sunrise of another system. And some of us were still relying in how it used to be. But it was in the year King Uzziah died. Something happened with Isaiah. And this is what's happening to us in the last 18 months. What do I do now with this system that is in place? And nobody here has to be prophetic. You can have an Old Testament and a newspaper. You can see how dark it is. But it takes sons and daughters of glory in the middle of this one. I don't know what to do. I need to know where to go. And Isaiah, when he lost Uzziah, he lost the system. He lost whatever he relied on. When all of that was gone, at that moment, the Bible says, I saw him. And I saw him high and lifted up. And he is seated on the throne. So the first question that I have for all of us today, what are some of the Uzziahs in our life? What are some of the things that we have trusted in? What are some of the things we relied on? What are some of the things in the previous season we need to let go of? And we need to have a funeral of some of our Uzziahs. And for me, it was very hard. He dealt with some of my Uzziahs. And it's painful. I can no longer operate like I used to do before. It's just the season I've shifted. And it's very painful if you still try to hold on. But as soon as I buried my Uzziah and consecrated and laid down my Uzziahs in my life, I went through my life, that's when I saw him high and lifted up. Oh, I'm seeing him right now over America and over the world. I can see him seated on the throne. God is large and God is in charge. And his job description is he rules and he reigns. The problem is not on his equation. The problem is on our equation. What do you see in this season? And it is time for us to look up even when things doesn't. And it is time for us to have an encounter so we can become an encounter. Could I say that one more time? 
It is time for us to have an encounter so that we can become an encounter to the world that desperately needed. And I'm hungry. I'm hungry in this season because I'm watching what's happening to this nation that I love. I watch what's happening to America. I see how the enemy is attacking identity of people. They don't even know who they are any longer. The wrong labels on there. I see how he's attacking family. I'm seeing how he's dividing. I see how the enemy is operating in the middle of it. But then when I see him high and lifted up, seated on the throne, and then I'm asking, God, what do you see? What does things look like from the throne room? He says, ah, oh, Leif, I'm so glad that you asked. You're going to see the greatest revival the world has ever seen before, the family revival. And it's a three-generational revival. I'm restoring the father's hearts towards the children and children's hearts towards the father's going to stop the curse in the land. That's why the enemy is attacking family. You're seeing now that the body of Christ, they're finding their identity back. They know who they are and whose they are. And out of the identity, they have a new intimacy. Out of the new intimacy, they have a new inheritance. Out of the new inheritance, they have a new destiny. Be careful this kind of a thinking can lead to dancing. Then you can become a joyful Christian. Because when you see him, you see who you are, also who you are not. So what are you seeing in this season? Are you seeing that over America, the God is on the throne and he is ruling and he is reigning? Wow. Are you guys okay? I'm just looking at the watch and I'm like, I have so much in me. Is it okay if we go five, six minutes over? Oh. The train of his robe filled the temple. That's the next thing that is taking place. When you see him high and lifted up, seated on the throne. In the middle of all this shaking that is going on. I had health issues. There's this issue. We lost my son-in-law's mom. The cities are on fire. And Middle East, they're killing our brothers and sisters in the middle, middle of all these things. And I wanted to say, woe was them and woe was thee. But now it is. I'm seeing him. He's high and lifted up. My loving Papa, he's ruling and reigning. And now the train of his robe starts to first fill this temple, then this temple. And even the word here for that robe is like the woman who was just touching the hem of the robe. She got healed. It doesn't matter where you're touching this body. There's healing taking place when the robe, and that's what's happening. We started to feel a little bit last night. You had a visitation of it a few years ago, but now you're going to get a habitation of it. That in your homes, in your businesses, wherever you are, the train of his robe, that's going to fill the temple. <laughs> and the people around, when it starts to touch it, they're going to be changed. Because change, people brings change to people. And this is not something we can do. It is what we are beholding, is what we're becoming. And what we become is what we will release. <laughs> I'm just taking a few more gold nuggets out of this. And then I saw there was these seraphim, two wings hold their face, which is a picture. And this is for Heartland family. It is worship. It is reverence. It is a sense of, wow. And we saw that earlier today. I saw it last night. You are a worshiping family. And you've seen those were the first two wings. Then two wings, whoa, it hide their feet, which is a picture of surrender. The life that we walk and the assignment, the act 
of worship that is coming out of walking with God. But in two wings he flew. This is the work and the God-given assignment. But I want you to know that only one-third was assignment. The other two was alignment. Intimacy, surrender, adoration, ministering before his presence, his sacrifice, brokenness, humility, submission. Then they cried out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The highest attributes of God. Because his love is holy, his joy is holy, his presence is holy, everything is holy. When I'm looking at his holiness, I see his love. And he changes everything. And you can't see his love in purity without seeing his holiness. And you can't see his holiness without seeing his love. That's why Moses had an experience with the love and the goodness and kind before he could see the glory. And some of us, we think we're going to go from glory to glory instead of glory to glory. But it is not actually for us as kingdom people, the future is looking very bright. There's going to be some bumps on the road. It is going to be darkness. There is even more coming in America. I'm sorry to say it. We are not yet there, but we are moving into a place where God's people is going to see who he is. And we're going to have an outpouring of the robe that is going to fill our temple. And we're going to be so overwhelmed by him that nothing else can overwhelm us. Because whatever overwhelms you, shapes you. One of the seraphim. Wow, let's look here. When I saw that, I say, woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people with unclean lips. Before it was, just read all the chapters before, before it was, woe was them. But after this encounter with him, it is, woe is me. The problem is not them. The problem is not Washington, D.C. The problem is not out there. It is not what's going on in Afghanistan. The problem is where is the light? The problem is not the perversion, but how many righteous do we have? Because Abraham, he steps in in a lesser covenant and also says, if we have 50 righteous, will you change America? Will you change Washington, D.C.? And God says, of course I will. What if we have 45 righteous? What if we... The problem was not the perversion. It is how many righteous do we have? And it is time for us to stop to point the finger there and look in the mirror. And I realize what's going on in Afghanistan, what's going on all over there. I'm taking the responsibility and say, woe is me. 20 million women and girls, what they're going to experience is we have an opportunity to take the light. And now it's just been covered by darkness. And I'm not here to come with shame because that doesn't work. God doesn't operate in shame. The enemy comes in with shame. I'm here to say shame off you, not shame on you. Shame will always tell you who you are not. Papa God would always tell you who you are. No, I'm just here to give you the upgrade that you need in this season. To get rid of your Uzziahs, to have a fresh encounter, to see where he is at, seated on the throne. That's your papa and your beloved son and daughter. Having an encounter with a train of his robe, fill your temple. Experiencing that the two wings of worship, two wings in your walk, and then two in your assignment, what you're called to do in this season. 
and then being overwhelmed by his holiness and his love. And then from that very place, take the responsibility. And then one of those seraphim, he took his tongue from the altar. And I thought this is interesting. A seraphim is like an angel. Why would these angels that are made of fire, why would they touch? Why did they have to use their tongue to be able to touch the fire? They're made of fire. I believe in this season that it was my spiritual son, Paul Yada, that described it to me. He says, I believe that there's coals at the altar in heaven for each one of us. And this was customized. That's why he couldn't even touch it himself. They used tongues. This is for you, Isaiah. This is for you, Leif Atlan. This is for you. This is for you. And when they touched his lips, it started to burn. It was cleansing. What was me? Not what was them. And I know we can go with science that makes you wonder. And I'm not against us standing up. I, I want you to hear. Stand firm and love well. Speak the truth in love. I don't, don't speak the truth if you're not in love. You only have authority where you love. And you have authority where you weep over. And until you get broken over what is broken. This is what's about to happen to Isaiah. God cannot use him until he gets broken over the things that is broken. He will just have an earthly perspective instead of a heavenly perspective. Are you guys okay? Give me three more minutes. Oh. So here we are. What was me? And then the angel takes this and put it on his lips. First it starts to burn. Cleanses his lips what I've spoken. And, and I can, can I just be honest with you? I will be honest anyway. But I... In this season, with all the stuff that was going on, and especially in America, I've been to 50 states. I'm a Norwegian, and I love this country. But I realized that I'm not laid on my life for this country. Even now with Afghanistan, I'm about to, just sensing this stirring, I need to present myself again as a living sacrifice. As a laid-on lover. To go low and slow. This last two weeks, we did mass feeding on the border of Afghanistan and Pakistan. We've been involved heavily in trying to make sure there's a difference. But I started to cry out to the Lord. And I saw that with Taliban, when they were coming in and taking over. And, and a lot of the unwise decision that was being made over. And seeing the consequences. And I was just weeping and weeping and weeping. It's like, God, do something there. And I just knew I needed a fresh encounter. But first, I had to do something with my lips, what I said. Because of my lips to some degree. And here is also what I did. I started to judge people that were judging. And I started to be prejudiced against people that were prejudiced. And God had to deal with my lips. And it's a burning thing so that you... The second part of that burning is that you're getting on fire. After the cleansing is that you have a new message. But now when you roar as a lion, it comes from the lamb's heart. And people will gather, not scatter. You will unify. I love, I'm getting pictures in. We have like one church in the Philippines right now. It's just full of transvestites, transgender, homosexual, lesbians. But they call, they call me and, and I'm saying what all of them are being transformed. I'm not talking about being there like, no, they're being transformed. They're finding their identity. Because we're going into the very root of, now that's not who you are. You have a wrong label. Even when you're in one mother's womb. But that's not who you are. Because before the foundation of the world, you were there in glory with him. And he knew you and he loved you and he prayed. Yes, there's been things happening in your life. But we're here to restore you with a baptism of love. Bring you back to the beginning. Who you are so you see you the way Papa God sees you. And when they are worshiping, it's amazing. One was a professor, a liberal professor. 
very much into socialism, and he was kind of a hard, hardliner. And Paul Yado and the team from the Philippines, they came to me and said, what do we do about this professor at the University of Philippines? And I had been showing them a different way in the Middle East of how I was not just going over the radar, but I was showing them what this power of love looks like. And they started to minister to him. And by the way, this professor is PhD, brilliant. He's transformed by love. He got his identity back. He's married and he has a child. But the problem with us, we say, woe is them because we do not have enough. Because if you speak the truth, I want you to see, if you speak the truth without love, truth without love is mean. Love without truth is meaningless. Because I can give you the cure, but if the people don't know they have stage four cancer, it doesn't have purpose. But I can give people the diagnosis of cancer, but if you don't have the empowerment to bring healing, would love. That's why we speak the truth in love. Truth plus love is Jesus, and it is medicine, and it is healing. So don't divorce grace and truth because Jesus was full of grace and truth. And what the truth demands, grace always provides when it is Jesus. Why did I get into that? It was just to say that we have testimony how love is winning and fear is losing. We are not losing. We maybe lost some fight, but we're not losing the war. How do I know? Because I've read the book of ending. It ends well. Represented from every nation, tongue, tribe, and language they're worshiping before God. The best is yet to come for God's people. But we need to understand the time we're living in, what God is doing, and then investing our life right. And when Isaiah got that fire on his tongue, suddenly now, God, I want you to see, this is, this is the last part. Ooh. Something starts to happen, and here's the key. If this is all you came from this morning, for this mission morning, this is what's burning in me, and this is what's happening. Now, when he cleansed my lips, and it was no longer what was them, what was them, this is the group, or this and that. Now my lips are there, and I need to be careful what I say. The, five, the six cities in America, listen, the six cities in America that have experienced the most judgment is the six cities that believers have judged the most. We are coming into an agreement with a thief who comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Instead of Jesus, they came to give life and life more abundantly. So the seeds that we are planting there, be careful what kind of a harvest we get. Because as priests, you represent God before people. It's called a ministry of reconciliation. And you represent God before the people. And I know what those radicals deserve. I know what Taliban deserve. But can you take that on me so they can become free? That's the minister of reconciliation. That's what I'm doing in a couple of weeks during Thanksgiving, flying into the Middle East, into this setting, and putting this life on the border with all the refugees and the crisis and the war and just presenting me as a sacrifice so that they can become free. That's what love looks like. Just look at Jesus. Just feeling there's a holy moment. When his lips were on fire, then he also got a new message. And then the Bible says, suddenly now, this is interesting, his ears open up. Circumcision, Christopher of the ears. 
He was not hearing before, and a lot of us are not hearing right now. And part of the reason why God is taking us through this process, but somehow he's listening in on the conversation in heaven. And as sons and daughters, we should hear what heaven has to say about what's going on in Ankeny, what's going on in Des Moines, what's happening in Iowa, what's going on in Washington, D.C., what's happening in the Middle East. All of us are coming in here now. Our tongues is on fire, and we certainly have a new passion. We're burning. We've been cleansed, and now we are the burning ones. But we're burning brightly without burning out, because we're burning oil, oil, oil of intimacy with our lover. We're no longer burning flesh. We're burning oil. And then he hears the conversation in heaven. Father, Son, Spirit. How do I know? Because we're about to get there. And God says, who can I send? DC, school system, gender issue. Who who can represent the culture of heaven here on earth? The family of heaven on earth? Who can I send? And who will go for us? There's no problem here. And this is another thing I want you to see. This one verse. The Bible said, when I saw him, here's the other thing. The whole earth is filled with glory. Before then, he saw glory and darkness, the vision and this and that. But after I've seen him on the throne and he gets that holy, holy, holy. Then it says the whole earth. Ankeny is filled of glory. Des Moines is full of glory. Iowa is full of glory. Washington D.C. is full of glory. America is full of glory. The Middle East are full of glory. If you see it from heaven's view. Why would you do sin management instead of glory management? And if you're going to go from glory to glory, the starting point has to be glory. What are you seeing? I feel this fire burning. Hearing the conversation, who am I? Who can I send? And who will go for us? And this is where we're stepping into the equation today. And it's a holy moment for all of us. But America is worth it. The future of America is worth it. It doesn't take a whole lot of individual lives in that offering plate like Isaiah to suddenly allowing your Uzziah to die. And to see actually where he's sitting. But you cannot see where he's sitting until you get go of whatever it is. There was things that I was allowed to do 18 months ago. I'm not putting that on anybody else. It was not sin. But it was areas that could stop. And I just had to overthrow those things and be part of the funeral of the Uzziahs. And it was not until I was willing to let go of all the Uzziahs in my life that I started now to see him and see him high and lifted up, seated on the throne, ruling and reigning over this universe. And he's looking for sons and daughters that will rule and reign together with him. Those that will learn how to reign in life. And when I see him, the train of his robe, I don't know if you long for it, but I let it fill this temple. The purpose of the filling is the spilling. The purpose of the Holy Ghost is a holy go. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you so that you can be my witness. Starting where you're at, in your home, in your neighborhood, your workplace. But eventually this is going to lead to a tsunami wave into the darkest places in the world. When Isaiah is hearing This is what I'm doing in this season. 
last thing I was saying. I want you guys to remember to pray for me and pray for my wife and my family. Just sharing this one little testimony. And I know David would just also, we're just going to give you an opportunity to, to respond both in praying and giving and going. But I'm sensing that uh, when all of this stuff was going on with Afghanistan, I'm very, very busy. Have a lot of things. We've been doing a lot in Pakistan, a lot in Cuba, a lot in Thailand, Indonesia, Philippines. This whole season I've been busy. And on the top of it, I travel full time again. And on the top of that, there's been some health issue. And then I started a doctoral program in the middle of it, full time, because I have nothing else to do. And then all of this stuff happened over there. And I had to reorganize my whole life, throwing overboard. And then I realized, so I just had the top granny mom, the top Muslim leader of Pakistan. I got a picture of him yesterday, he came back. Flew him over to the United States. We were in New York, and we were at the biggest mosque in Atlanta about two weeks ago. We went to Dallas, meeting with Muslim leaders there, and just started, I just sensing this whole thing. I just, I had to reorganize in my life to setting room and making room for what God is going to do next. And then I started to have this longing, and I got a letter. You're invited to come to Islamabad to be able to be part president of Pakistan is going to be. But the top Muslim leaders from all over, Morocco and from Saudi Arabia and Yemen, Bahrain, the top Muslim leaders, governmental leaders, they're going to be there. And I can be honest, I was like, there's absolutely nothing in me that would like to go back to the Middle East. I was there now in the middle of COVID, and it was a very hard trip right before Papa Jack died. But I just realizing I have to do what Isaiah, hearing the conversation of heaven, what heaven has to say about what's going on in the Middle East. And when I started to hear the conversation, and, and I was like, is there somebody else that can go this time? And I realized from the father's perspective, there was an invitation. And then what's been going on there is saying, when I watch the horrific things, I'm just making myself available. And it's going to be during the Thanksgiving week. And this is not good. My family is coming together. We've not been much together. And then for me to be gone again, it's not easy. So just keep my wife and my family together. But I just realized that I need to represent him. We need to get there to the Afghan border. We're going to do this mass outreach. But I also want to meet with the Pashtun leadership there that's connected to the Taliban. Meeting with a government official, going to the mosque, heading right in the middle of everything there. And just present myself back into that offering plate. This is a living sacrifice, which is my reasonable service. But I do need grace. There's been some health issues as soon as I said yes. And there's been some financial issue. And I decided I can't go public with this. So it's been one of those. The enemy is trying to do everything to stop destiny. But I don't want my grandkids that I don't have to meet suicide bombers in the future. And this is another invitation for us. We did have an opportunity to going into Afghanistan when the Mujahideen fighters was fighting. Soviet Union went out and we had an opportunity to coming into Afghanistan to take care of the orphans and widows. The church said no. So Ben Laden said yes. So Ben Laden came in, took orphans and widows. 16 out of the 19 involved in September 11 were orphans. Because when we don't invest in light, darkness hits us. So for me, the best offering I can give, and there's many things I can do, but my best offering is just, I have this one life to live and so much love to give. But the freedom to be placed in that offering plate and say, here am I. If you could use somebody else, but if not, there's many called, but few are chosen. And I think the chosen ones are just the ones that are willing 
to volunteer. There's very few of us that are called to go. But every single one of us, we have a mission virus. We're involved in this. Some of you would just intercede for me and my family. That's your sacrifice. Other ones were coming alongside. Let me hold up the rod of God so it can shift that atmosphere. But I believe as a family, our families together, nobody be guilty for what you're not called to be. But what I am asking for all of us to do is, what would it look like if we get rid of the Uzziahs in our life in this season? If we can have a fresh encounter where God is at, that where he's seated and getting back to the God is sovereign. He's ruling and reigning. He's just looking for someone that would stand in the gap to have a fresh filling of the train of his robe and make ourselves available. In a few moments, I'm giving this over to Pastor Dave. We maybe land at 1230 and I'm willing to give up my lunch and food. It's not going to be a long time, but I just sensing, I want to give a commission. What I've received, I want to give you a mission virus. You will not be the same, but it will start and will take over. No mask can stop it. But you will suddenly start to love people and you will have different lenses in the way you are seeing people. You will no longer see how big Goliath is, but how big God is. And you suddenly will be part of a solution. to do two things this morning. I want to do two things this morning. I want to make room for life to pray over us. I, I do. I feel like the, the Lord is doing a deep work and he's asking for us to get on the altar this morning to surrender our lives afresh. I believe some of you are going to end up going. Some of you are going to answer a missions call. It's not part of your grid work right now, but it's going to be because God's going to tap you. He's going to take you at your word and he's going to utilize the sacrifice, which is you. I believe there's other ways in which we can be involved, but I also want, I, I asked Leif specifically. He had told me about what he's going to be doing during the Thanksgiving season. He's not going public. He's not raising funds for that publicly, but I asked him, could you share about that because we want in. We want, to, we want to sow into this. I know many of us have been praying in the mornings for Afghanistan. Many of us have been absolutely brokenhearted about what we've seen happen, the stories we have heard. And I know many of you have put yourself in that spot, just realizing that the terror that some of these people are living in. And we can be an answer. We can give into this thing where there's a wave of kingdom love that hits Afghanistan. There's a window of opportunity, I believe, that we can seize. And so I want you to ask yourself right now what you should do. And I, I want to encourage all of us to give something. We're not going to pass an offering plate. There's boxes at the back of the room. You can give online. Everything that comes in designated for that, we're going to give to Leif. We're going to give to this project. He's going to need tens of thousands of dollars to pull this off that he doesn't have right now. He's just said yes to the Lord and he's believing God. There's been a few people that have stepped up and said, hey, we're going to help. I want us, I want in. I, Kathy and I are going to get in on this and I want to encourage you, don't allow this opportunity to remain unseized. You can be the answer to the very prayers that you have been praying. You've been asking God to do something in Afghanistan. Now God's asking you to do something. This is between you and the Lord, but let's all do something and stake our claim to see 
God move in Afghanistan. I have felt for many years, and I've felt it renewed again as this has happened in Afghanistan, that some of the greatest apostles and prophets the world has ever seen are going to rise out of Islam. Just like the great persecutor Saul of Tarsus became one of the greatest apostles the world has ever seen, God's going to do it again. He's going to take what the enemy meant for bad and use it for good. And out of that brokenness and the devastation and the, the tremendous trauma that people are suffering in Afghanistan, God's going to raise up a powerful movement. And I don't know about you, but I want in. I want to stake my claim, and I want to know that I did something in this hour. So I'm going to ask you just to bow your head right now. Holy Spirit, we just ask that you would speak to us clearly. Lord, I'm asking that you would prompt us. And Lord, that a spirit of generosity and sacrifice and vision would come upon us, Lord. God, we want your heart. Lord, let it not be said of us that we pray prayers that we aren't willing to become the answer to. Lord, I ask that you just move upon us and lead us. And Lord, I'm asking, God, that by your grace, by your love, you're moving upon our hearts that we would do a substantial part in what you've called life to do. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name. There's an opportunity for you to partner with life directly on an ongoing basis. Uh, life, how long is that video that you have? Just a slide. Why don't you go ahead and put the slide up there and uh, you can partner with Leif directly. Uh, not this one, it's, the, it's the, uh, the other one about global. We, we don't have it? Okay. It, uh, you can go on his website, Global Kingdom Awareness. Global Mission Awareness. Go on this website. I've been there, honest, even though I got it wrong. Uh, get on there and you can, you can directly partner with Leif. And uh, there we go, right there. And so... Just write that down. Ask the Lord what he would have you to do. Leif, I'm going to ask you and Christopher both to come up here. And I want us to stand right now. I know we're going a little long, but this is important. So I want us to present ourselves before the Lord. Hallelujah. Leif, if you'd just stand right there in the middle. Right here, Christopher, if you'd grab his other hand. Oh, Jesus. Let's just wait on the Lord for a moment. I saw a trading floor open up in the altar area. It's a place where we do business with God. We talked last or a couple weeks ago about buying oil without money. There's an exchange that happens. We can't do it with money, but we can exchange with heaven. And I just felt the Lord inviting us into the divine exchange. And if the Lord's moved on your heart this morning in that regard, I want to just invite you to come very quickly and stand up front. We're going to present ourselves to the Lord. 
Jesus. You don't need to know. Matter of fact, in the kingdom, we don't find out what God is calling us to and then say yes. We say yes, and then he shows us what he's calling us to. He needs our yes for revelation. with love. God, break our hearts. Oh, God. Lord, we want to go beyond just being recipients of your love, Lord. God, we want to partner with you, God. We want to become avenues, vehicles of your love. Oh, God. Christopher, I want you to just pray right now. Then I want Leif to pray over everyone. fiery happen but we can yield so that our lives become the altar do what only you can do do what only you can do God capture our hearts win our hearts God There is an undeniable connection in Scripture between suffering and glory. Rightly stewarding suffering that releases glory. God, we don't know all of the shaking that is yet to come in the days ahead. But Lord... We want to cling to your kingdom, your unshakable kingdom. And we want to hold loose everything else in our lives. And we just want to tell you, Jesus, any so-called sacrifice in our life, we say that you are worthy. You are worthy. You are worthy, Lamb of God. You are worthy. Worthy is the Lamb. And you are worthy to have every part of our lives. You are worthy. The Lamb of God is worthy. God. Here we are, Lord. Just tell them right now, whatever that looks like in your own life, but just say, here am I, send me. 
God, not just a momentary experience at an altar, but Lord, I'm asking that you would take the coals from the altar all this week, day and night, beyond these church walls. God, would you come and visit me? Lord, I yield myself. I yield my body to you as a living sacrifice. And I'm asking you, God, that you would touch my lips, my life with the coal, the fiery coal from your altar, God. My whole life, Most of us in this room are not called to go where Leif goes and and do what he does. But we are all called to live surrendered lives in the kingdom that bring him glory and honor. We are called to love well. We're all called to see the lost through the lens of the heart of a broken father and a beautiful Savior. Touch our lips with your call. And Lord, give us new lenses to see the world, to see people through your eyes. God, precious Holy Spirit, just keep coming. Just keep coming. Say that you're worthy, you're worth it all. You're worthy of every bit of surrender. You're worthy. The Lamb is worthy. Holy, Holy, Holy Spirit. saying yes <laughs> I see there's special nations even being dropped into people well different regions of the world that's being dropped into your heart I still remember very clearly after my baptism of love in year 2000 where Psalm 2.8 came, ask of me and I will give you the nations. Suddenly the nations became a gift to be received, not the problem to be achieved. So even as we're just making ourselves available, I'm just sensing he's putting, for some of you, it is, it is the governmental mountain and the politics of what's going on, and you're going to get the grace. You're hearing the Father, Son, and Spirit is talking about it, and you're just saying, I'm going to make myself available. Not whatever, we're going to get rid of the Uzziah and we're going to see him high and lifted up. The train of his robe is going to fill our temple. And he's going to cleanse our lips and we're going to hear that conversation of heaven. So it is him that we're representing. Other ones, as you're going into that classroom, it's going to be a different classroom. You're going to be on assignment representing the king and you're going to see the next Esthers, the next Nehemiah, the next Daniels and Josephs. So you're just going to see things differently. You're going to just realize that it's not going to be secular or sacred because everything we do is as unto the Lord. If you're a businessman and you're in a marketplace business, you're going to be a businessman with a mission virus, and you're going to represent the Father, both the people you are discipling through your business, but you're also going to see the connection of that to the least, last, lost. But I feel like there is a special also mandate over my life, and that is to represent the one that has never heard 
the name of Jesus. And some of them are coming to Des Moines area. And I just even ask that you were learning how to even cook halal meat and starting to prepare a meal for those refugees. That some of the ones that are coming here, that instead of that they are a problem, you see it as a promise. And that you will utilize it. You will start pouring some love and life into them. There's going to be a transformation. So, Father, I just ask, open up the gift of hospitality for God's people at this moment. When we have about 100,000 Afghans, 20,000 served our troops so well. But now they're coming with their family. And they're coming here. And I just ask you, Father, just give us eyes to see. And to be able to see the opportunity you're placing before us. So, Father, I just release that gift of hospitality and even around us there's people from close nations that are here and I just ask that we're suddenly getting an awareness and recognizing them and getting the eyes of love the eyes of love but also father there's people here that is going to go someone's going to represent the women behind the veil that I cannot go to father I just ask forgiveness that half of the women the Muslim women they are behind a veil and whoa and I need someone to be able to bring the light. Whoa. Father, I just ask even at this moment that you will just baptize on in this love. We can't do it in our own strength. It has to be a love, a love that drives us. So when everything is hard and difficult and situations are coming in, that we are going to be led by love and driven by love and motivated by love, giving the eyes of love, learning the language of love that is the language the blind eyes can see and the deaf ears can hear. So, Father, tonight, uh, this morning, I say just over Heartland and this family and everyone that is connected, that as for me and my house, for each one of us, we will serve the Lord. There's some of you that are called to the Muslim world, some of it is to the Hindu world, some to the Buddhist world, some to the atheist world. There's different worlds, but God is going to start to download. And through this week, you're going to hear the conversation in heaven talking. You're going to hear the Father, Son, Spirit, and you're going to just make yourself available to have ears to be able to hear and to make yourself available. So, Father, I just, at this very moment, I just release a blessing. And I release an impartation just as Dr. Randy Clark prayed for me and released that impartation. I just bless with an impartation over you. Whoa! And, 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 and whoa! An impartation to overcome, an impartation to take up that cross, an impartation to go from a Friday to a Sunday and not giving up on a Friday, but you go all the way to Sunday until resurrection life starts to flow. I bless you to be an overcomer. I bless you to be a bulldozer, what God has called you to be. I bless you to be a person that will raise up sons and daughters of glory, that will be part of the ones, because the whole earth is filled with glory. Wow, we're just coming into an agreement that there's glory everywhere. And from this moment, we're going to see glory. We're going to prophesy glory. We're going to release glory. And where sin came in, Jesus says that, whoa! that all have sinned but fall short of glory but Jesus came to restore them back to glory no longer sin management but glory management and we're going to step into glory we're going to see glory and we're going to release people into glory like a fish in water an eagle in the sky that the sons and daughters are going to operate in the glory whoa and become alive so I just thank you Father that the revival fire has begun today and it's going to continue to spread the train of your robe is going to continue to fill to fill to fill that it's going to be an overflow that it's going to touch every home and it's going to start to sweep this nation begin with us begin here and begin now as we're just laying our lives down as a living sacrifice which is our reasonable service and all God's people said 
Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to help more people hear this message, you can get the word out by subscribing and sharing it on social media. If you'd like to support the ministries of Heartland Church, you can do so at heartlandchurchonline.com give.